Hey guys, Jonathan here from The Decade. In the episode that we're releasing today, we had the great pleasure of speaking with Laura Hoch at Patagonia. In her role at Patagonia, she worked as a chemist with material innovation. And in our chat with Laura, we talked about the process of designing and producing a sustainable product and all the complexities that comes with that process. Moreover, we talked about Patagonia and their incredible corporate vision that states that they're in business to save our home planet. And Laura also gives us some great tips on how we can take better care of our garments. So with this said, I give you our next episode. Welcome to yet another episode of The Decade. Today we have the very good fortune to speak with Laura from Patagonia. Um, I could introduce you, but I'd much rather like kick that ball off to you to uh, explain who you are and what you're doing as of 2021. Uh, sure. So I am a chemist by training. Uh, I work on the material innovation team at Patagonia and... Yeah, I'm excited. I, I'm not sure what uh, what else you want to know, but uh, <laughs> happy to dig in. But I'm excited to have this conversation with you guys. Yeah. How did you end up working at Patagonia and with chemistry and those kinds of things? Yeah. So, you know, even as a kid, I've always been really interested in sustainability. Both my parents um, you know, really instilled in me a love of nature and the outdoors. Um, I never thought that I would be a chemist. Uh, that was not on my uh, career trajectory. I actually started out as an environmental resource management major. But then when I got to college and you know just started learning more, I always liked chemistry. But um, and I ended up taking this chemistry class and realizing you know if you care about the environment and want to clean up pollution, um, a really good way to do that is to stop it from being made in the first place. So you don't have to clean it up in the end. And so that's really what inspired me to change my major to chemistry and uh, to start this trajectory. Um, and so I focus a lot on, you know, renewable energy, um, developing more sustainable materials. And in grad school, I became aware of the field of green chemistry. And yeah, just it was that was like, I want to do that. <laughs> and so mm. um, that's kind of where I launched it. And then I when I finished my PhD, I Worked for a nonprofit for uh, about two years um, that worked with, it's called the Green Chemistry and Commerce Council. And it's, you know, tries to foster collaboration throughout supply chains and across different industries and trying to get more sustainable chemistry and materials into products. And um, Patagonia is one of the member companies of the GC3. And, you know, this position opened up to join the material innovation team. And I think, you know, the time at the GC3, I really saw, um, you know, how materials move through supply chains and like what the decision points are um, kind of like at each phase in the supply chain and kind of the types of decisions that each actor can make. And I was really inspired by um, kind of how much power brands had to like pull technologies through and, um, you know, a brand like Patagonia that's as sustainability focused. Um, I was just really mm -hmm. excited to have the opportunity to dig in and um, try to help pull 
sustainable technologies into Patagonia products. So yeah, that's how I ended up here. Mm, all of that is super fascinating. And uh, we're going to get into more about your specific job titles with uh, sustainable product development. But I think like most of our listeners know a bit about Patagonia and what it is, because it's like really almost synonymous with uh, sustainability uh, in some kind of way. It's like the brand people point at when we talk about sustainability. You have a quite bold statement of saying we're in business to save our home planet. And I think that's really a good motto to come to work with every day. And you have a lot of different initiatives such as wear repair shops, and um, you've been working hard to get your supply chain transparent so that you can track where every piece of material in your clothing comes from. Could you like expand a bit upon Patagonia's overall corporate vision and what it's like to work in a company that is as sustainability focused as Patagonia? Yeah, I think one thing I really like about working at Patagonia is we're not afraid to take these really bold positions, you know, and I think I actually was at Patagonia when we changed our mission statement to, uh, to be, we are in business to save our home planet. And, um, yeah. And like Yvonne, um, Chenard, who's our founder is just, he like, doesn't mince his words. Um, <laughs> I really appreciate it. Uh, and I think, you know, he was just looking at the climate crisis and, and everything going on. And he's like, you know, we need to do more, like, let's focus. And this is something we'd always been focused on. Um, and, you know, it was actually part of our mission statement prior to this. Our mission statement was build the best, our previous mission statement was build the best product, do no unnecessary harm and use business to inspire solutions to the environmental crisis. And um, Yvonne was basically like, yeah, we're still going to build the best product, but how are we you know, like, let's just focus. And I think the other thing that is really like what Patagonia tries to do is, you know, given our size, like we're kind of this really good size as a company, we're pretty small. I think people don't realize how small we actually are in the... How large are you then? Like, actually? Well, I think we're like 140th of the size of Nike. Uh, okay. So, um, but I think we do punch above our weight in a lot of ways uh, because of the you know, like because of our storytelling ability and um, the fact that we do come out and like say some pretty bold stuff. Um, and so I think, but it's like this really good size because we're small enough, like we can still be pretty nimble and we can do stuff that um, would be a lot more challenging for a really big company to tackle just because of their scale. Um, mm. So we try to be a bit like a lab, like where we can try to, you know, try to do things in a different way um, and see how it works and kind of prove out the model. Um, and hopefully help to inspire other companies to do the same. Hmm. And what you said that, that Patagonia is punching a bit above its weight. I really see that also that the, like the work you've done with your supply chain, making everything transparent and trying to improve that. It's really a way to push other actors forward as well through the transition to sustainability. Uh, what do you think like Patagonia's role in this overall transition? And what do you think you how can you impact the overall apparel industry? Um, I mean, I think it's, uh, I think Patagonia's role, you know, given the fact that, and I will say this, like we have the great privilege um, to be a privately held company that is headed by um, environmentalists, you know, like the Chenards care deeply about the environment and they're always pushing us to do more. So I think given that, um, you know, and we are willing to, you know, sometimes be the first actor um, and we can maybe sometimes spend a little bit more to help bring a new material um, to market that um, kind of more budget focused brands couldn't do. Um, I think 
we feel like our role is really to be that lab, like to just try to get things going. And, you know, within the broader apparel industry, try to serve as an example. We're happy to help out other brands as we can to move towards more sustainable products, um, try to lead by example, make noise, you know. <laughs> That's beautiful. Mm. Do you have any like collaboration with any specific companies or is it any like organization that you're working working with to to improve the sustainability in the industry? I mean, honestly, the apparel industry has um, a couple really great organizations that do bring lots of different brands together. Um, so we work uh, with the Sustainable Apparel Coalition, uh, the Outdoor mm. Industry Association. Um, I actually serve on, on the steering committee for the Chemicals uh, Management Community of Practice. Very nerdy, mm. but uh, yeah, but <laughs> the chemists, you know. But yeah, um, I'm trying to think of other organizations. Yeah, there's so many out there. I would, um, I think that that is really powerful. These cross industry collaborations um, allow companies mm. to work together, share data. And I pick on the SAC in particular, and um, you guys are familiar with the HIG Index. That's a really great. Um, and it's uh, spun out recently of Higco, but um, they provide data that we can use to kind of do these calculations to try to, and I'm, I'm maybe jumping a bit ahead, but um, it's a good platform for data sharing of you know impact data that I think is really powerful and I think a model for other industries. Did I actually answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry if I didn't. No, no, no. Yeah, that's great. The, the reason that I'm asking is because like in our education we we always speak about like the importance of collaboration in in the way moving forward so i think it's great that we we have these initiatives and like cooperate to to work more sustainable and share ideas and and ways to to move forward really and i guess standardize also a lot of things yeah especially in like the chemistry department that you're in Mm. yeah definitely yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of really uh, great organizations that work in the the chemical space. So the ZDHCs, you know, Blue Sign um, is a um, kind of like, I guess I would call them a standards organization. I don't know if that's the right way to describe them, um, but uh, you know, they're I guess a certification organization. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's so much good work, and I think you know, like these collaborations can be really hard because um, you know, a lot of times we're competitors. But I think sustainability is such a, an important space for collaboration. And, um, you know, there is a lot of collaboration happening in the sustainability space. Mm, yeah. And you're also helping like your consumers to think and act more sustainable. Melker mentioned a couple of initiatives earlier about the Warnware or the repair shops initiatives that you, you're having as well. Could you expand a bit on that and your, your interaction with your customers? Yeah, um, I will also put the the caveat. Uh, so I, you know, not on the marketing team, um, and they're amazing at storytelling. And I'm also not on the Warnware team. But yeah, we uh, Warnware launched, I believe, in 2013. Yeah, some iteration of it has been around for a while. But um, you know, we have this re-commerce site. Uh, it's warnware.patagonia.com, where um, we sell refurbished Patagonia clothing. And anybody that has Patagonia products can send them back to us. And, you know, if they are able to be refurbished and resold, we will, um, you know, and if they're not, then we keep them for recycling. 
yeah, so we have sort of that option if people want to, um, instead of buying a new product, to buy a used product. And, you know, the longer we can keep a product in use, the lower its footprint. And so depending on the product, you know, that, that reduction can be quite substantial. And then uh, kind of on the other side, uh, so, you know, we have um, these like very hilarious looking trailers that we travel around uh and do repairs like we go to like you know in ski season we'll go to like ski slopes they're actually lovely like it's like hilarious it's like this wood paneled van thing i love it uh, nice. <laughs> but it's like they'll go to ski slopes and you know or, or various places like you know rock climbing competitions and stuff and mm. uh provide a site and we'll repair anything it's not even patagonia stuff uh we'll repair competitor products and uh but you know with covid that obviously is not really happening to the same degree that it used to. Uh, and so there's actually on our website a whole list of videos that they've put out on um, kind of teaching people how to repair their stuff. And, um, you know, depending on what's wrong with the garment, um, whether it's like replacing a zipper or a button or like uh, repairing a tear or something. So, yeah. So if anybody's interested in self-repair, there's a whole library of resources mm, on our warfare website. Yeah, I really love that kind of work that you guys are doing because like raising that awareness to the consumers is such a pivotal role in our way moving forward that go away from this consuming behavior that we currently have and be more care more for our products that we currently have and a lot of them can be easily repaired and be be as new so it's a great initiative i think yeah and i mean honestly i will i want to just make sure i i reiterate that as consumers um the number one most impactful thing we can do is to not buy things we don't need and to keep the things that we have in use for as long as possible um, the majority, the vast majority, and I, I think we'll talk about this later, but the vast majority of the impact of a garment is in the production phase. Um, and so once a garment is made, the best thing we can do is to keep it in use for as long as possible to take care of it. And also on our website, not Warnware, but regular Patagonia, we have like a whole list of uh, care. If anybody's wondering, you know, should I wash my rain jacket? Um, the answer is yes, and we have some information on how to do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, you know, because actually this is just like a random aside, but um, people often are like, oh, my rain jacket stopped beating water, like it doesn't work anymore. But a lot of times all you need to do is just wash it. Because mm -hmm. uh, sometimes like oils and stuff get on the surface and then uh, it's not beating anymore, but uh, just like a simple toss it in the washer. And uh, if you have a dryer, putting it in the dryer can help on low then it'll be as good as new maybe <laughs> so good to know don't need a new rain jacket you just need to wash it <laughs> I'm, I'm taking notes here <laughs> great now we talked a little bit about, uh, about patagonia but I'm a, I'm a bit more curious about your role in as a chemist in all of this uh, what is it that you actually do at Patag patagonia and what is the most exciting thing about the work you do oh man uh so i am a on the material innovation team. Um, so that's part of the broader materials departments uh, within Patagonia. And yeah, so I just sort of stepping back, um, the materials department is, is responsible for um, basically designing and developing every material, button, zipper, trim, anything that goes into a Patagonia product. Um, our department uh, is responsible for um, 
you know, designing, creating. And then uh, within that, so my team, the material innovation team, we are kind of the front end. We try to, um, we work on like kind of long-term innovation projects. So anything that's kind of more like three to five years out. So, uh, you know, digging in and, and for me personally, so I'm a chemist and uh, so I focus a lot on um, our chemical technologies. So, um, you know, functional finishes, durable water repellents, that kind of stuff. Uh, just looking at how we can um, design better ones, working with our supply chain partners, working with new partners to kind of try to create solutions that are more sustainable, that can be higher performing um, while reducing impact, and just trying to solve some of the thornier problems that maybe our supply chain doesn't have sorted out just yet, and trying to like make those connections and, and running projects to, yeah, to try to solve some of these challenging problems. So yes, yeah, so I focus a lot on that. I also do like a lot of being a chemist. I do like a lot of the, I focus on a lot of kind of the more hidden work that you wouldn't really think about. So some of like the processing in our supply chain, some of my other colleagues um, on my team do more, uh, you know, focusing on like recycling innovation or, um, you know, stuff that maybe is a bit more tangible, but yeah. Uh, so, and I, oh yeah, see also what's the most exciting thing. Um, I don't know. I love digging in and getting into the nitty gritty of this stuff. I think, um, and I love, like, we have such good supply chain partners. Um, you know, some of the people that, some of these companies that we work with, some of our mill partners, you know, we've had such long standing relationships and their dedication to quality and the environment makes them willing to do some really crazy stuff. We always, I think we're like really difficult customers sometimes because we ask a lot <laughs> of our partners, but, you know, because they know that we care a lot about, the environment and um, about worker health and safety. And, you know, they know that we're not asking for no reason and uh, they're willing to partner with us on, um, on things. Mm. Sometimes I wonder if they think we're crazy, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to ask a lot of questions to high, set the standards high, but I'm really interested in what goes into actually developing sustainable products in, um, in that sense, which, uh, because you have to weigh different things against each other. Like, are you allowed to use polyester or can you use multiple materials? Because we're really talking about the whole lifetime of a product. And so you're kind of taking all of that into consideration when you're doing the designs and the innovation. And I wonder what are some common complexities that you have to face when making decisions regarding sustainability? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's exactly right. And it is, it's like a whole team effort. It's not, uh, I don't think any one of us could work in isolation and be successful. Um, you know, not only is it, you know, things that we work on and our colleagues that are um, kind of in the more inline um, material development roles, but also like our design team and thinking about kind of the final construction of the garments. I think that's what's so hard about circular thinking. Um, and which is not a surprise to anybody who thinks about that all the time. You're like, oh my God, so many different variables. Yeah. Uh, but I think, um, I think just the level of complexity, and I think because our supply chain is so complex, um, there's this phenomenal diagram that the Outdoor Industry Association made uh, that if anybody wants to Google it, it's uh, the Outdoor Industry uh, Supply Chain. I, I wish I could like screenshot it and send it to you guys, but it just like gives an example of what we're working with. And I think... It's so fragmented that coming up with these holistic solutions that can work within that existing system is just really challenging. And so, um, you know, some of the, the trade-offs 
are as an industry, um, and particularly I would say in the outdoor industry, because, um, you know, we're doing a lot of outerwear and things that need to be really durable. Um, we do use a lot of synthetic fibers and that's really dominated by nylon and polyester. And, you know, this is just this, this challenge of, um, kind of like incumbency, like, are those the best possible fibers that we could be using? Like, who knows? But the thing is the industry is so dominated by those fibers that there are actually um, a lot of options for recycling of those fibers because of the volume used. So even if there were a material that is, you know, lights out better than polyester to do X, Y, Z, but it doesn't have an end of life solution at all, like it's going to be landfilled, is that better? Um, mm. So I think that's like one example of a trade-off that um, you think about like designing a new material, like totally brand new to the world material, you know, it may be better performing, but if you can't recycle it in the end, is that better, you know? Mm. There is this kind of quote, I think, that uh, the product in itself can't be sustainable, but the system around it can be sustainable in the sense that if you design for the whole circularity that uh, whatever you put in also gets put back into the system, then I guess that's what you're really trying to design for in the first stage, but it's also dependent on all these variables you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, we've done, because, you know, like with what, you know, we, we can only control what we have control over. Uh, yeah. And I think we put a lot of focus and effort on um, using recycled materials in our products. And, you know, because that is, uh, you know, well known, you know, we're, we're on the one hand diverting waste, but also reducing um, carbon and water impacts, diverting away from using virgin um, petroleum based materials and using recycles. And so there's been a huge push. Um, I think our very first uh, recycled product was in 1993. There's Cintilla fleece made from recycled uh, bottles. And uh, we've been doing it ever since then. And I think, you know, that's a huge push and thinking more holistically about, um, you know, and, and I think this is the trade-off. So like using recycled synthetic materials, I think is a no brainer. Like if you can do it, you should. And then recycled natural materials, are also a possibility uh but because you can't like melt them down and respin them in the same way that you can for uh polymers like you may have some durability issues so there's like not as uh you have to be really mindful about how you use those recycled natural materials um to be able to make a high quality product and again this is why uh we have i'm, I'm really grateful for our supply chain partners that they uh work with our teams to figure out how to do that and um and we do have some pretty cool recycled natural material products in our line um mm. which have such a low carbon footprint <laughs> i certainly sense that the whole industry moving towards a direction of recycling and upcycling even and but i'm curious how far ahead would you say that is like in in terms of the overall clothing market how much is actually coming from uh, recover materials and in a closed loop system, I guess you could say. Well, I think uh, the biggest challenge that we have right now with making a truly closed loop system is the end of life collection. You know, it's really hard to get garments back. Like, I think there's a, a pretty good and well-established recycling infrastructure for stuff like bottles and containers and and packaging that kind of stuff um but and I, I will say in the u.s i don't know how it is in europe but yeah it's not like you can put your your clothing in like the the curbside bin um at least not here 
Uh, and so then it requires a lot more effort on the consumers um, to figure out like, okay, I can get this packaging label and I can ship it to this place or I can drive to this place and find a bin and put it in there. Or, um, And I think that's a really big hurdle that I wouldn't say we have figured out yet. And that's something that, you know, industry-wide, that's not something that Patagonia by ourselves can solve. Um, for a really long time, we've consumers can send, uh, our customers can send back their stuff to us. Like, I don't even know, we had um, the previous iteration of it was called Common Threads and then it became Wornware. And I don't know when that started, but shout out if anybody has any old stuff that has like a whole bunch of holes in it, you can send it to us and we'll recycle it. Mm. In that design phase that you mentioned earlier, um, like when, when choosing materials and for, for the garments that you produce, is there any like specific criteria that need to be fulfilled when choosing specific um, materials? Or how does it look in that design phase? Is there perhaps an example from a specific project, like uh, the rain jacket, for example? Yeah, I, well, we did talk about this a bit with, you know, for example, a simple t-shirt that's made of one type of material, it's a mono material garment that has a way easier path to recycling and something that is inherently um, multi-component like a rain jacket. Um, so uh, for those of you that aren't gear nerds, uh, typically to make a rain jacket, you'll have what's like called the, the face fabric. So that's what you see. And then to that, you will have laminated or coated on a membrane, which is um, what's responsible for actually keeping you dry. And then uh, you may, depending on the the particular construction, have a, another fabric laminated to the back of that membrane to kind of protect it and, um, you know, make it a bit more durable. And so you've got this like sandwich of materials all laminated together. Um, mm. Then you sew it together and then you cover all the seams with seam tape to prevent water from getting in at the seams. And then you have zippers and you have snaps and you have cords and buttons all in this product uh, that is really uh, quite um, complex in structure. And um, to be able to function the way that it needs to, it's really challenging to make it mono material, like something like that. So compared to a t-shirt, which is just, actually you can even make t-shirts that are um, like seamless, like they're just knit, it's kind of amazing. Uh, but even if it does have a couple seams, like there's, there's thread and that thread can be made of the same material as the shirt and therefore it's easy to recycle. But with something like a rain jacket, the hardest trade-off there is, you know, like, if you were able to make it all mono material, are you sacrificing performance? And, you know, are you shortening the lifespan of that uh, particular garment? In, and as we talked about before, the, the single biggest impact, you know, depending on the, the figures you get, it's between 80 and 90% of the impact is actually baked into the material itself mm. um, before it ever gets to the consumer. And so, so by the time we get it, you know, the best thing we can do is keep it in use for as long as possible. And so if um, trying to design for end of life, we're actually shortening its life, we're actually doing worse than uh, if we just used a more complex structure in the beginning from a carbon standpoint. And that's where it comes off trade-offs, right? Mm. Um, and so I think that's a really big challenge that the industry is grappling with is, um, you know, these recycling technologies that can handle multi-materials. Um, and that's something that uh, I have a colleague on my team that she thinks about that every day, I think. So mm. So we talked a bit about this with uh, Niklas Appelqvist at The Absolute Company with his initiative, The Future of Packaging, where uh, they're trying to make uh, like 
publicly available uh, paper bottles instead of their glass bottles. And uh, when you do those kinds of bottles instead, you have these coated fabrics inside and then you have to have a system to dissemble those again at the end of life. So again, like you have to have a system at the end phase. And uh, I think in Sweden, we have a big company called Tetra Pak, which does like recycle most of our cardboard packaging, I think. And uh, even those are quite complex and you think that is a simple product. And then you have your high tech <laughs> jackets and materials <laughs> that like your customers are quite picky like because they want to be out in the extremest extreme weathers and uh, do extreme <laughs> sports so i guess that takes the level up a bit i suppose yeah yeah no exactly i think um and i will say so um although this is a really big challenge um there are tons of um companies out there trying to solve this problem i think that the the flag has been raised uh and everybody knows that this is a huge hurdle to solve and there are a ton of um you know both companies and then also researchers uh you know there's a lot of cool work happening in some government labs and in the government research labs and um academic labs trying to just sort out like how do we actually deal with this at end of life you know and i think I'm excited about that. I don't. I don't think that any one technology has really um, kind of come to dominate. Like, what are we going to do with these multi-material packaging just yet? But I. I think it's coming soon. I think that uh, we will have something um, in the next few years, and that's really exciting to me because I think that's like the hardest material to recycle at the end of life. Yeah. Exactly. Um, what can you as a consumer think about when buying clothes? Is this something that you can be a bit more aware of when, when choosing a specific garment or is it anything we can yeah. do as consumers? I think, um, as I mentioned before, the, the single most important thing that we can do as consumers is just not to buy stuff we don't need. You know, if you, you don't probably, I mean, maybe you do, but probably don't need like 30 t-shirts. Uh, so, you know, being really mindful about buying a small number of them that you know were produced sustainably is uh, much better for the environment. And if you do, um, if you're able to buy something used um, or, you know, if you just need something for like one epic weekend, maybe you can rent some gear instead of um, buying a jacket that's going to hang in your closet instead of getting used. And I think also just uh, trying to research, you know, there are lots of brands out there that are doing really great work and trying to build sustainable products. And so voting with, um, you know, with your purchasing power um, to support those types of companies, like, you know, in apparel, but in, in I mean, there's so many other uh, industries and, and like products that we buy. And there are tons of companies doing really good work that aren't greenwashing, that are really digging in and actually doing a good job. And so I think just, um, doing a bit of research before you buy something that you know you're going to um, want to keep for a while. Mm -hmm. I have uh, just recently, I've, I feel a bit like a crook because I haven't known exactly how to maintain some of my clothes. So I just like two weeks ago, I accidentally dried a uh, t-shirt and made it 50% smaller. So that was oh no, such a waste. Um, but like learning to do that and like taking lessons actually from the older generation kind of my mom and my aunt um, like sewing back patches on jeans and everything and it becomes kind of a funny thing uh, to do when you can because uh, i see it from an economic standpoint that i'm saving a lot of money because i'm being able to 
to use my favorite clothes longer and that's the important thing i'm keeping on to my favorite clothes is what i'm trying to achieve and uh, i think both in like the buying phase you can think about a lot like a checklist but then also when you have the materials you can do so much to actually keep them in your wardrobe for a long time and using them sustainably yeah exactly I have a, I had a couple, um, so when I was in grad school, one of my, when I wasn't in the lab uh, projects was I had a whole bunch of favorite t-shirts that, you know, through either uh, misfortune of going through the dryer or like getting ripped or whatever, um, but I just didn't want to get rid of them. And so I ended up cutting them up and uh, sewing them into like a little quilt, <laughs> so this like t-shirt patch quilt that's literally on my bed right now that I made probably seven years ago. And uh, with T-shirts that I had probably when I was in high school. So, uh, you know, even if you can't wear them, you can still. And I have like some of the pillows that I made, I made like pillow covers out of like old sweaters uh, that actually look kind of cool. So, you know, there's, there's stuff you can do. <laughs> but yeah, this is um, another thing that we did. It's uh, the recrafted. So taking um, some things that we weren't able to refurbished through worn wear uh and just building some like super quirky looking garments uh with like lots of different colors like patched together that i i thought was really cool uh one of our designers uh led that initiative and um turned out super well so i think that's like another way to kind of repurpose this stuff that um maybe in its original form could not have could not be reused anymore but the material is still good and there's still some uh life in it Hmm. What would you say is your vision for sustainable fashion clothing consumption? Should we frame that like yeah, at the end of this decade, 2030? Do you yeah. have a, a vision or a utopia? A utopia? Uh, I would love to have all materials in uh, all clothing produced with uh, what, we would, what we at Patagonia call like preferred materials. So either uh, using recycled inputs uh, where possible, or um, you know, if not using uh, sustainably produced natural inputs, so organic or regenerative organic cotton, yeah, uh, you know, sustainably um, produced wool. So I think you know having these preferred and and like having some sort of validation that they are um, actually sustainable, because uh, I think sometimes there's like people are like, this is neat, this is made from I don't know, it's banana fiber or something. And you're like, that's cool, but it's mostly glue. I don't know. I'm not picking on, I don't know if there is banana fiber. I just picked a random thing. But uh, yeah, I see these re reports sometimes are like, this is really cool. And I'm like, it sounds cool, but is it actually like, did you do your homework? So I'd say vision would be all, everything is produced with um, these preferred materials. Uh, maybe by 2030, that's a big ask. Uh, but I would love to see the the infrastructure in place to take back things at end of life um, in a like high volume way and really have built a properly circular supply chain. Mm, amazing, beautiful. And I think like sometime ahead, there must be like a business case for all those appliances to really make the system uh, of this fit for purpose. I, uh, I truly believe that in the future. And I think it's, it's interesting as well, like what you kind of mentioned greenwashing there in your communication. And I guess that's a big challenge for a marketing team to kind of say the right thing, say enough 
and uh, not say too much and um, especially when you're such a brand as Patagonia so there are lots of challenges there as well but anyway that's not what I wanted to get into now I'm uh, <laughs> I'm I'm more curious like is there anything you could tell us about what you're working on right now like what's next for you personally or is that secrecy oh. <laughs> yeah so I'm I'm working on um you know, we didn't touch on it at all uh, in this, but, you know, a big challenge for the outdoor industry is um, durable water repellents and, and moving away from fluorine. Um, you know, and as a company, we've, we've committed to doing that and, you know, are well on the way to being um, completely out. Um, but there are these like lingering things where, as you mentioned, some of these like very extreme cases where, uh, you know, somebody's going to be on an expedition and, being like highly exposed, their performance requirements are much higher than your average dog walker. And so, uh, <laughs> which I say with love, so like I, I'm, I'm one of those. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I think, you know, th- that's where the these like huge challenges still remain. And um, in the case where you have like really high performance requirements, um, it's going case by case and figuring out how to get the performance we need with better chemistry. And so that's something I work on really closely with like the team that, um, you know, with with our development team and our supply chain Um, and we'll be confident. I think, you know, we're, we're really getting there. And, um, you know, when we do release a product, like we have thoroughly vetted it. And so I'm excited about that. yeah, and then there's like a whole bunch of stuff that I think's exciting that probably no one else does. It's like process things. I'm working with like our supply chain on like <laughs> using better chemistry that I'm pretty sure the consumers like never think about. Uh, and you know, like realistically, shouldn't have to think about. Like I, this is my old boss at my last job often like just say like you shouldn't have to have a PhD in chemistry to like be able to go shopping at a store. You know, like you mm. don't need mm. to have a really detailed knowledge of chemistry like the products that you buy should just be safe and like i'm not speaking necessarily i think taking sorry to take off my patagonia hat and just talk about like products in general um because i think once like a clothing garment is is made like that's they're definitely safe but there's like some things you know like i used to work you know like in home repair some things you can buy at the hardware store i'm sort of just like what (laughs) uh And I think um, it totally depends on where you live. Maybe it's different in Europe. But yeah, like I think just like as a consumer, we should have this reasonable expectation that like everything we make is like made well and made safely. And I think, you know, in some cases it is, in some cases it isn't. Sorry, I diverted from clothing there and uh, put my old hat back on. No, but I think like what you're mentioning there is really important that as a consumer, you shouldn't be have have to be an expert in everything because if you have to be an expert in everything then you're an expert in nothing really because uh, yeah as for everything we consume we can't like know what all the chemical compounds actually mean and how the supply chain looks from them if we're just a consumer like using t-shirts and we shouldn't yeah exactly and like so yeah and i think like a good example is like nutrition like you don't need to be a biochemist to know how to Mm. eat healthy food and i think it's like this is actually like, I, I think uh, maybe I sounded a bit negative, but this is actually like what makes me excited is like, there are so many people working behind the scenes in all of these industries mm. uh, that you would never think about um, that are like secretly improving our supply chain uh, that will probably never get named. Um, 
and and I say our supply chain, but I mean like every supply chain. So not just apparel, like in uh, building and construction and electronics and, you know, there's just, there's just so much cool work happening. And that's like, at my last job, like I loved getting to see that and, uh, you know, still stay in touch with some of my colleagues from there. And, um, and I think like in apparel, I would say the apparel industry is, um, you know, there's definitely like a lot of work we still need to do, but I would say the apparel industry is probably, um, on the forefront of, um, you know, like doing really well. Like I think, uh, we have a really good set of like organizations that bring people together to collaborate around sustainability, as I mentioned. Um, and I think like, at least from our perspective, we have supply chain partners that care deeply and, you know, want to, uh, continuously improve. So, uh, I think I, I'm excited about it. I think um, a lot of progress has been made and will continue to be made. Mm. Amazing, very inspiring. Um, um, we, we've reached the end point of our uh, episode, actually. Time flies when you're having fun, right? <laughs> Um, and in the end of each episode we ask our guests about an encouragement that you would have to our listeners throughout this uh, decade so what would that encouragement be from your side you know I think I I may have said ad nauseum uh, so I will just say it quickly Uh, but I I think um, yeah really think about what you need and don't buy more than you need. And uh, when you do buy something, make sure that it's good quality and it will last. But I think broader, uh, kind of just like the broader thing. And this is just this is just my personal view. And I, I think about this like this is why I became a chemist. Um, and I think about like, you know, everybody has a unique set of skills. And um, you know, there's so much work that needs to be done to move our like global. Um, industries and supply chains towards a more sustainable model, a circular model, um, and, you know, helping to try to combat climate change and social justice and, um, you know, just moving us forward. And I think everybody has these, has a unique set of skills. And so um, thinking about how you can best apply those. And so I think, you know, for myself, like I'm a chemist and I think about chemicals in a way that probably most people don't. And so for me, I feel really grateful to be able to um, mm. put my efforts towards uh, looking for and championing sustainable chemistries. But you know, whatever you are good at or passionate about, like go do that. And mm. um, I don't know. Yeah, there's so much work to be done. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. And uh, if people would get in touch, would like to get in touch with you or find more about your projects or Patagonia, where where can they find you and how can I get in touch with you? Uh, I don't have much of a social media presence, so mm-hmm. um, that sounds nice, actually. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like. I mean, I just mostly post pictures of like sunsets and my cat, which probably most people don't care about. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, and and I also, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't have like a website or anything. Um, but uh, Patagonia has an amazing marketing team that uh, tells lots of great stories. Uh, and so I will just plug our, our website and, um, we have our footprint chronicles and actually there was a really cool article that we just posted on our blog called, uh, trust the scientists, 
that talks about uh, it. It came out this week. I think it came out like two days ago. So if you want to read more about like kind of how we how we look at um, yeah how we how we approach problems and um, yeah what our team does, we were just featured on uh, Patagonia's blog. So mm-hmm. maybe we can put that in the description. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But so anyway, I want to thank you so much, Laura, for being here with us today and uh, talking about your work and uh, the apparel industry because it's uh, so important in these times. And uh, I think you really taught us a thing or two here today. So thank you. Yeah. Great, Laura. Thank you a lot. Until next time. See ya. Thanks, guys.